0: Hey, Church Unlimited, we're doing something very unique today. We're actually interviewing the devil himself. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the notorious Satan. Satan! Oh, oh, let me fix this. Weird. Satan! Oh. Well hello, here I am. I didn't know that you didn't have that poof thing down yet. You're lucky you caught me at a good time. I just got out of a budget meeting with ISIS, so. Oh, well, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time today. We appreciate that. So I just want to get right into it. I'm not going to lie. You're not very popular. I mean, I've had issues with you for, for a long time. I'm going to set those aside, if I can, because I know we see each other all the time, uh, unfortunately. But I, I want to set that aside and just ask you a couple of questions. So the first one is uh, a myth that people have is can you read people's minds? No. So you just kind of watch what they do. I can already read your mind right now. You can't read my mind. You just told me that. Uh, Mexican food. Wow. How'd you know that? So you just written all over your body. (sighs) That's probably true. All right. right. Back on topic. Back on topic. God bless you. Okay, Satan. So hold that thought. Gotta take this. Kimmy, baby. It's Kim John un Of course. How's it going, buddy? Loving the new do. Yeah. Well, it's your button, buddy. You push it. It's way bigger, I'm telling you. Oh, hey, I gotta call you back, man. I'm in an interview with some guy. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. (laughs) Okay, later, Un. Okay, so right now, uh, I just wanna know what you think about some different people. So, uh, you know, Moses. He's a stutterer. Um, King David. That shepherd boy? Okay, uh, Job. Well, I had some fun with him. Okay, and then... One more Bible character. No. Don't you say it? Jesus. You had to say it. Wow. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Welcome. How you guys doing? Oh, come on. How you guys doing? There you go. Good to see you guys. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being part of our services today. And let's give it up for our God Behind Bars guys as well. We love you guys. For those of you who are like, you're throwing people in prison. No, no, we have prison ministry, have prison campuses. Great bunch of guys over there. They're awesome, and so we love them. And uh, those ministries are growing, by the way. It's crazy. People literally break the law to come kind of to my church service. It's incredible. <laughs> And so, no, it's really fun. They actually reach out. They are probably the best evangelists I know. They are reaching out to all their cell blocks. Literally a whole team of them got together and said, we need to figure out how to get over in cell block A or B, I forget whatever it was. And they went over to go get these guys and bring them in. And what's cool is these guys wanted to go reach out to another cell block, and it was the most dangerous one. And they were willing to risk their very lives to go in there and say, no, we know that they need Jesus. Let's take them Jesus. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. So these guys are serious, serious about their faith. So we love you guys. Just want you guys to know that. But I want to just thank all of you guys for being a part of our services today. We are one church, many locations. Thanks for joining us. In fact, at our church, we have a mission statement we say because we really believe this. We are committed to what we say. And so what, what is it that we're all about here at Church Unlimited? Let's say it together. We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die Period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Drop the mic on that one. That's what we believe in. So, hey, thanks for being here. You know, I'm excited about this brand new series called The Devil Made Me Do It because I think all of us deal with the devil in our lives. Maybe you've never actually said it out loud, but you've thought it. Maybe you thought, man, I just feel like there's evil around me, among me. I feel like I'm dealing with this. You ever walked in a room and felt like there was evil in the room? Has this ever happened to you? Happens to me every time I meet a Patriots fan. Anyways, Sometimes you just feel like you're among evil, and I understand that. So, you know, what do you do when you really deal with that? I mean, it, it's a real thing, and maybe you've been in some places, frankly, you're not real proud to mention where you've been, but when you got there, you felt like, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot, not only evil going on, but I can literally sense it. And so I've heard this from guys that told that, that me they've been to clubs and stuff, and they walk in, they're like, man, there was a lot more going on there, and I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. I'm like, what? That's an evil presence is what you're sensing. It's not just what people are doing, but it's, it's the activity that's going on, what that invited into the atmosphere is a, is a big deal, too. We're going to talk a little bit, little bit about that as well. And so in this series, we're going to discuss what's called a portal, which is certain things that we do that we literally give the devil access to our lives. We're going to talk about that during the series as well. So we're going to cover a lot of ground with this entire series. You don't want to miss this. Glad you guys are here. In fact, we are packed today. Look at this, wall-to-wall people. Wow. That's great. Thanks for being here. Very excited about that. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's dive right into this content. My, My son, Mason, Uh, He's 20 now, but when he was two years old, he was all about whatever the devil wanted him to do. And so he was running around like a typical two-year-old having fun all the time. But I remember he watched uh, his mom one time take a bottle. Jessica took a bottle and put it in the microwave for like five seconds just to warm it up real quick for him, just a little bit. And so he thought that microwave was so cool. So he was all about that after that. So we always had to stop him from taking this bob and putting it in the microwave and trying to push a bunch of, bunch of buttons. We say, Mason, you can't do that. And he's like, why not? You know, he's all upset. Mom did it. Why can't I? And we're like, no, you can't do that. So we're always getting on. Them. Well, one day, I'm, not, I'm off at work. Jessica's in the back of the house, and she hears an explosion. She runs into the kitchen, and there's a bottle that's been exploded in the microwave. She looks at Mason. He's like, what? You know, the a little look. And she says, Mason, did you put that bottle in there? No. Mason, did you punch a bunch of buttons and put it in there? No. He starts to cry. He goes, the devil made me do it. <laughs> the devil made Mason do a lot at that age, by the way. And so you ever felt like the devil made you do something? You feel like, man, I feel like every time I do this, the devil is involved. That's a very common thing. Another common thing I've heard from people, they say, I feel like when I go to sleep, I'll have a dream. But then sometimes I have a dream and I feel like that dream turns evil. I feel like there's more going on in the dream than I know what to do. with. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, too. These are all realities that people really do face. And so as we talk about this, maybe some of you right now are kind of going to get your big eyes on, like, whoa, I'm kind of freaking out of all this stuff. Is this stuff real? And this may kind of wake you up to what's actually going on around you. The Bible is very clear that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, against authorities, against things we can't even see with our eyes. There is an unseen battle going on around us. And the battle actually is for your very soul. And so let's talk about that a little bit today. Pull out your, your notes if you want. I'm going to give you some things to write down. I'm going to go pretty quickly over the first three points because I want to just kind of lay a foundation. Some of this may not be new to you, but I want to quickly lay a foundation for those who don't know this. Because one of the questions people ask is, if God is such a good God, why did he make the devil? Well, technically, God did not make the devil in his current form. God made angels. One of them was an archangel that actually made a decision to go against God. And so at that point, there was an insurrection in heaven, and there was a big battle, and then he got kicked out, and a bunch of the angels went with him. And that's when the, 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 uh, the archangel named Lucifer now became known as the devil or Satan When he rebelled against God. Let's pick up in the scripture. Check it out. Isaiah 14 says this. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. Stars in this case means above God's angels. Stars also means angels. I will preside on the mountain of of the gods uh, far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. So what this tells us is this. Number one, would you write this down? Lucifer was an archangel that rebelled against God in heaven. More into that, let's look at Ezekiel chapter 28. It says, You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. The devil, by the way, was beautiful. His original form, he was, he was absolutely beautiful. God made him to look beautiful. You were in Eden, the garden of God. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. So apparently the devil was in Eden before he was the devil. When he was a good angel still, he actually went between God and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I don't know if you knew that. And it says here that they call, God calls him a guardian. Think about that. The devil was a guardian over Adam and Eve at one point. So some, somewhere between Genesis 1 and 2, Eden is still perfected. There's no sin that's happened yet. And this angel, Lucifer was his original name, was in the Garden supposedly protecting Adam and Eve. Can you think of anything more evil than you hiring a babysitter and that babysitter abusing your children? I mean, can you think of anything more evil than that, right? The the very one you hired to be a guardian over your kids is the very one who corrupted them, is the very one who introduced evil into their lives. That's basically what Lucifer did. It says, You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led to, to violence and you sinned. Rich commerce means... Uh, Commerce, in this case, means going back and forth among people. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all of your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor, so I threw you to the ground. Now, let's just contrast this beautiful angel to what they said about Jesus in Isaiah 53, too. They said, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus did not come looking beautiful, but the devil did. The devil still uses beauty to... Now, Jesus' allure was who he is, not what he looked like. And understand that the devil's allure was, was not who he was. The only thing he had to offer was his beauty. Some of you guys dated someone like that. The only thing they have to offer is their beauty, is that they're good-looking. That's it, right? Some of you guys have been on dates with people like that, and you're like, wow, well, they were good-looking. And after the date, you're like, and they're still good-looking, and that's it, <laughs> right? You ever been on a date with someone like that? And so, so basically, that's what he had to offer. Number two is this. Lucifer means day star, or light, meaning his beauty was reflected from God's light, but he thought it was his own. He did not want to worship God, but to be worshiped and to be God. And so he, uh, he was close to the action between God and Adam and Eve, and he would go back and forth between heaven and, and earth, uh, and then uh, eventually he, he turned on God. Now, look, look at how, what happens when he turned on God. Revelation 12, verse 4 says, His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven. Stars, again, means angels, and cast them to the earth. So we know one-third of the angelic beings that God had created chose to go with the devil, go, chose to go on his side. So basically, he created insurrection in heaven. Look at this in, in Revelation 12, 7. It says this, Now war arose in heaven. Michael, he was another archangel, And his angels fighting against the dragon, that would be the devil. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient servant who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the Word, and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Why is the devil so mad at us? Because he knows his fate is sealed and we still have a choice. See, that anger's him that he's like, so I get no choice after this. I just have to go to hell when I die. And by the way, the devil's not gonna be throwing a party in hell like, like you hear the world say. There's no party going on in hell. In fact, you're not even with other people. You're all separated out and alone for eternity—that does not sound like a good time. The devil's not running hell. The, 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 the hottest part in hell was made for him, so he will be tortured. He will be he will be in utter he will be in he will be downcast and tortured. Literally says he's thrown to a lake of fire. So he knows that's his destiny, and so he he he's angry that that's not your destiny. That you still have a choice. He no longer has a choice. He made his choice. But you still have a choice. That, that, that angers him. That's why he's after you and after me. Number three, would you write this down? One-third of the angels are demons. Two-thirds are in God's army. The good news, for those of you who feel ganged up on, you feel like, man, you know, I feel like there's demons attacking me. I feel like I've got all this stuff bad going on in my life coming at me. Is that, remember this, no matter how many are coming after you, there's double the amount for you. Isn't it good to know that? No matter how many you feel are coming after you, there are more for you than against you in the unseen realm. Angels are fighting for you. I don't know about you, but that's just good news to me to know there's someone's on my side. That's good news. Now, before we go any further, I want to encourage you to be here for this entire series. We've got a lot of content to cover in this. In fact, next week I'm going to answer the question, what do demons have to do with terrorists and mass shootings? And so don't miss next week as we talk about that. Also, we're going to answer the question, what's the most destructive tool the devil uses on everyone, all of us included? He is so good with this tool, he'll even get you to use this tool against others. He'll even turn Christians on other believers this, with this tool. He's so effective. And so uh, he's not more powerful than you because greater is he in me than he is in the world, but he is very effective. He's been around a lot longer than you have, so he knows all the tricks of the trade. And so do me a favor right now. Would you open up? Would you grab your phones real quick and pull those out? And open your phones right now. Everyone grab your phone across all of our campuses. Would you do that real quick? Take your phone out right now and would you open your Facebook app and just take a moment and go to your specific campus's Facebook page, okay? So we're at the broadcast campus here. Maybe you go to the Northwest campus, the Alice campus, the west side, wherever you're at. Go ahead and open up your specific campus page. And would you go find the... uh, the, the post that, that talks about the devil made me do it, it probably has a question like what the demons had to do with terrorists and mass shootings. Would you like that and share that? We just want to be social media evangelists real quick and just put the word out to everyone that we're talking on this subject um, all month long. They're not going to want to miss this. You don't want to miss this either. So be sure to be here as we talk next week. Next week's message is called Speak of the Devil, What the Devil Speaks to You and How to Speak Back to Him. So I'm going to teach you how to talk back. Doesn't that sound nice? Some of you are like, I need to know that. I was just going to talk to my teenager. Why well, don't I need to learn how to talk back? Learn how to talk back to the devil when he tries to talk to you. And so don't miss next week. It's all about devil speak, uh, how he speaks to us. So you don't want to miss that. Okay, go ahead and put your phones back up. Let's dive right back into the message. It says in John 10, verse 10, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Would you write this down? Number four, the devil and his demons want to steal what is yours, kill you, and destroy all that is good in your life. That's what the devil wants to do. Wants to steal all that's yours, kill you, and destroy all that's good in your life. So do me a favor right now with a pen in your hand. Would you just write down some good things about your life? Just go ahead and just write some down. Maybe your marriage comes to mind. Hopefully it does. Uh, Maybe your kids come to mind. Maybe you you are really you feel like one of the good things about your life is that you have generally good health. That's a great thing. Uh, maybe for you, it, it's your job or your career. You really like it. Maybe financially, you're, you're doing pretty good and you're happy about that. Maybe uh, you, know, you are generally a happy person and you're generally a healthy person. You feel good about this. Those are all great things, right? But here's the thing you got to know. The Bible says in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And so plans to give you hope in the future. God is telling you he has a great plan for all those things you just wrote down. But listen very carefully. Don't miss this. The devil also has a plan. His plan is to take all the things you wrote down and steal them from you. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants your marriage to lead to divorce. He wants to steal your finances. He wants you to be indebted and enslaved to creditors. He wants to steal your career. He wants to take your happiness and your health. He wants to take, he want, listen, he's coming after your children the innocence that God has given you, the devil wants to steal it. The devil's already actively trying to steal the innocence of your kids. I guarantee you that. So you need to know that the devil has a plan for your life that is just as detailed as God's plan. It's just the total opposite. He wants to take everything you have that you enjoy and more and steal it from you. You should know that. Wouldn't it change how you went to bed tonight if you got a phone call about an hour before bedtime from someone you don't even know that said, hey, I know you don't know me? but I just want to give you an anonymous call here to tell you that I know for a fact that someone's going to try to steal things from your house tonight. Will that change what you do before you go to bed? You better believe it, right? I'd be like, get the gun out, load it up by my bedside, right? My house is protected by both Smith and Wesson. I'll load up. That's how we roll, right? That's how we roll in Texas, in case you don't know that. Even the preacher's pack around here, so I'm just letting you know. That's how we do it. So... (laughs) stop encouraging me. You know you're, you're encouraging this. Okay. So anyways, but, but the truth is, is it would change how you go to bed, wouldn't it? You, you, you get, get the dogs out, make sure that they're around so that if someone comes to the door or window, they bark, right? So you, it wakes you up. Set the alarm if you have one. I mean, you would think differently about what you do before you go to bed, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Because you want to protect your stuff. You want to protect your kids, protect yourself, protect your, your, your domain, your home, right? In the same way, if we know there's an enemy trying to steal stuff from us, why are we walking around unprotected? Let me ask you something. What are you doing? To, well, listen, if you're driving through a rough neighborhood, do you lock your doors? Yeah, of course you do. And so, I mean, we, we all do that. That's normal. That's healthy, right? Have you been leaving the doors unlocked on your marriage? Have you been leaving the doors unlocked on your kids? Have you been leaving the doors unlocked on your health? They left the doors unlocked on your happiness. Are you leaving the doors unlocked on your ministry? Are you leaving the doors unlocked in your friendships? If you're leaving the doors unlocked in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your career, in your finances, in your faith, you are being foolish. There is someone trying to take it all from you. We need to wake up to this reality. Now, if a bullet whizzed by your head here in America, it'd freak us out. Like, what just happened, right? But if a bullet whizzes by your head in Baghdad, you're not that surprised. You're like, yeah, I'm in a war zone, I get it. But we don't think of this place that we live as a war zone, but it is. It's just a war we don't see with flesh and blood. There's a battle going on around us, and so don't be shocked when you take a hit. Don't be shocked when someone tries to come after your stuff. When someone tries to steal your joy, steal your happiness, steal your innocence, steal your kids' innocence, steal your marriage, someone, listen, you may want to pursue your spouse, but the devil will make sure someone else pursues your spouse. You better understand this. You're in a battle. And if we don't wake up to the basics of this battle, that's how you lose a fight because you didn't even know you were in it. So we've got to wake up to this fact. It is a truth. There's a battle going on, and the battle, frankly, begins for your soul. That's what the battle is really all about, is about you coming to Christ. So let me, let me pose another question. This is another question I get, number five. Can a demon attach itself to a Christian? I've got great news for you. The answer is no. That may surprise you, but let me define that. Because some of you feel like, well, but I feel like one is attached to you. It's very normal for people to feel like a demon can attach it to you, to you. But actually, if you're a Christian, a demon cannot enter you. A demon can mess with you, right, on a consistent basis, absolutely. But it cannot attach itself to you but I will explain the difference in just a moment. So the answer is no. James 4, 7 says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He has to flee from you. Have you ever had a bad dream that turned evil? Have you ever experienced that? Uh, so this is a common, common thing I hear people tell me, and I've, ha- I've had this too, and I used to be nervous about sharing it until I found that it was very common. One day I was at dinner with a friend of mine. He's a pastor. His name is Mark Driscoll. Some of you guys know him. Uh, he writes a bunch of books. I was talking to Mark, and we've been friends for 15, 20 years. And I was talking to Mark, and I, and I said, Mark, I get these really crazy things that happens. Every time I start to really advance the kingdom of God, I'm like we're taking ground as a church, we're doing something new and big, this always starts to happen to me. I get these crazy dreams, and he, he goes, I already know what you're going to say next. I said, like, what do you mean? He goes, right, and you feel like someone's on top of you? And I was like, yes. And he goes, and you feel like they're pressing down on you, covering your mouth, holding you? And I was like, yes. I was like, oh, my gosh. He goes, I get the same exact thing. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Anyone ever experienced this? Okay. Let me explain that. The demons know that you know the Lord. And they know that you would be aware of what's going on in your right mind. So this is why they will attack you when you're not in your right mind. You're asleep. This is also, by the way, the biggest reason I would tell you not to overdrink and not to do drugs. Really, I don't think you should drink at all, frankly. Uh, but, but the Bible does allow it. But it, it, if you're not careful, it can lead to excess drinking. But this is why I tell you to avoid pot, avoid drugs. I think pot is a drug, but I'll let you determine that. But whatever you want to call it, it's bad. It, It puts you in an altered state. And the moment you're in an altered state, you're not in the right mind to defend yourself. And so isn't it horrible? Can we all agree that when a guy slips a roofie in a girl's drink at the bar, it's wrong? Can we all agree with that? Right? Why are you intentionally slipping yourself a roofie for the devil to have his way with you? When you put yourself under the influence, you literally just drugged your own drink and said, have your way. And the devil will. So it's, it's the altered state that opens up the door for the devil to have his way, because you're, you're, you're out of it. You're unable to defend yourself at that moment. Does that make sense? Now, I know if I asked for a show of hands, I probably wouldn't get one, because you'd have to be admitting you're doing drugs. But if you've done drugs, you know exactly what I'm probably what talking about. Yeah. It's not uncommon, and so I just want to encourage you that that's one of the biggest reasons why you want to avoid that kind of stuff. And guess what? When you're under influence, you do stupid things. Well, who do you think's telling you to do those things? Who thinks leading you to do those things? You say, I would never do that in my right mind, right? So you took a roofie, and the devil's like, "I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity to get you to do things you would never do in your right mind." That's that's how it works. Let me tell you, if you let's set aside the drug and alcohol thing for a second. If you are asleep, you feel this pressure on you. My my friend Mark, he told me that he felt like he was being beat and hit and being pushed very hard against his chest, like someone was trying to smother him. He said I felt like there was a demon on top of me trying to smother me and stop me from breathing. And he said I got up and went to the to the mirror, and my wife can attest to it. She said I, he said I had bruises on my chest. That's real, guys. But let me give you something you can say that always works because the Bible says it always works and it always does. You just say, In the name of Jesus, I demand all satanic and evil influences to leave this room at once. And they have to go. They have to go. Now, some of you right now are like, Well, I'm a Christian. I've never experienced anything demonic. This is really freaking me out, Pastor. I didn't know this stuff even happened. No offense, but I need to tell you something. The reason why you're a Christian and you've never experienced anything demonic in your life that you know of is because, honestly, you're doing enough screwing up of your own life that they don't need to mess with you. I'm just being honest. That's what that means. (laughs) You're like, what? They're like, yeah, we don't need to bother with them. They're so good at screwing up themselves, we don't need to join in. They're like, yeah, that's amazing. I don't know how you pull that off, but... That's what that basically means. It's like the guy on the basketball court is like, throw me the ball, and they never do. They're like, no, because we didn't have to cover him. He's so bad, just let him shoot. He'll miss, right? Don't be that Christian that is so about your own life and so about yourself that you never even thought about living for another. You never even thought about really honoring Christ. Don't be the Christian who just has your fire insurance from hell and never follows the Lord, never seeks after Him, never advances the cause of Christ, never does anything good. Because if you're that way, you need to know the devil's like, you're screwing up so good, I'll just let you keep your own life like it is and let you pretend that there's no battle going on because you're so far from the front line. You're, you, you you can become You can be in Baghdad and be so far removed from the fight that you forget there's even a fight going on. There's a lot of believers that way. So here's the good news about being attacked. When you are getting attacked spiritually, that's actually a sign you are a threat to the enemy. It's a sign you're doing the right thing, it's a sign you're taking new ground. That's the good news about that. It means you're actually attempting to do something for God, to follow the Lord, to honor Him. When you begin to do that, you will get attacked. That's all par for the course. So just know that when you do get attacked, He's just the devil's just doing his job. It's what he does. He attacks you. But don't sweat it because God is stronger. Listen, the truth is, is that greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And so I'm not worried about the devil giving me a bloody lip. I'm going, to give the, I'm going to punch the devil in the face today. I'm not worried about him punching me in the face because I'm going to go on the offensive because I have the strength in me. I've already got the authority. We've already got the victory. We're not fighting to get victory. We're fighting from victory. We already have it in Christ. So we already have this victory. So I want to encourage you to stand in the strength of that. But if you do feel like there's something evil in your home, if you do feel like you've been attacked a lot, if you do feel like something's going on when you go to sleep or you're worried about your kids or your kids' rooms or anything like that, then go in each room and simply say, In the name of Jesus Christ, I demand all satanic and evil spirits to leave at once. I command in the name of Jesus all demons to leave my house at once in the name of Jesus. the name of Jesus is very important because that's what gives us our authority. Without that, we don't have the authority. But let me warn you, if you are not a Christ follower, do not do this. Do not mess with this realm if you're not a Christ follower. You are defenseless if you do not have Jesus, which is another great reason I highly recommend getting Jesus in your life because you are defenseless against the enemy without Jesus. So just be warned. You just need to know that going in. And so, you know, if you look in the Bible, there's guys that went to cast out demons and didn't know Jesus Oh my gosh, they were bloodied and beaten so badly. You do not want to be those guys. Don't mess with something you don't know anything about. Let me just warn you now, you don't want to do that. Even when you're a Christ follower, I still wouldn't dabble. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, people that dabble with this kind of stuff. And maybe you don't even realize you're dabbling with stuff. So we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. When, when The last part of the series is called The Devil and the Details. I'm going to go into some of the details of the things that people start messing with that really, they don't even realize they just invited uh, the devil into their family, into their life, into their home. So we're going to talk about how to clear your home and stuff like that. So we're going to get very specific. And that may seem crazy to you, but it's just real, guys, and I see it all the time. And when I hear craziness coming out of someone's mouth about this thing going on in their life, the first thing I do is I say, tell me about your home talking about you talking about? Don't just tell them, what, what, tell them about your home. Is there anything in your home that, that, that you may think may be evil? Well, I mean, I've got this. And sure enough, there's some collection. There's something I'm like, there it is. And so as crazy as that sounds, guys, I've been in ministry for 20 years. At this church alone, 25 years total. And I'm telling you, I think I've seen it all and heard it all. And there is consistency in some things. I'm going to share about some of those things. And so don't miss... This entire series, you're not going to want to miss it. So, But this is another thing, too. People say, well, Pastor, I disagree with your first premise that the devil can't attach himself to Christians because I feel like a demon's attached to me. If you feel that way, let me explain to you what's really going on. So, are you guys ready for some truth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's some truth, all right? <laughs> truth sometimes stings, but it's the truth, all right? You can't be set free unless you receive truth, all right? So here's the truth on that. Look at Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit so a fool repeats his foolishness. You know a dog will be sick from something they ate, throw it up, then go back and eat it again. I know it's disgusting, and you think, why would they do that? Same reason we do it. We go back to the same habit that we know hurt us last time, and we do it again and again and again. And then we say, the devil's messing with me. Now, See, see don't, don't confuse correlation and causation. That means that just because, see what happens is you choose to do something foolish, the devil shows up to smile and laugh at you, right? Because you already know he's the accuser of the brethren. So he came to accuse you. Look what you did. I can't believe you did that. And he'll tempt you at first. But eventually the devil doesn't have to tempt you because your habit kicks in. First time you do something, you feel really bad about it. Second time you do it, not so bad. Third time you're like, eh, I'll get used to this. It becomes a habit. The habit of lying the habit of lust, the habit of you know excessive alcohol, the habit of drugs, the habit of going out with people that don't honor God, the habit of going to that club, going to that bar, the habit of whatever it is, it becomes a habit. It's just what you do. Some of you guys don't even know what you do on Friday night if you took away that habit. What else do you do on Fridays? You don't even know that anything else exists because you're so used to that habit. The truth is, is it's more about your habit at that point. God created us to be habitual beings so if we get those habits going in the right direction, believe it or not, it gets very easy to do the right thing. As crazy as that sounds, it's very easy to begin to do the right thing. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It gives us some great insight. It says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Take the word anger and circle that and add any other word you'd like, any other sin of your choice. For porn, for lust, for uh, pride, for resentment, for... you, you name, name the sin of your choice. Just pick the one you like for gluttony, for greed. I mean, just, just whatever happens to be your sin of choice. Pick the one you want. For sin of choice gives a foothold to the devil. So we think the devil's attached itself to us. The truth is, no, we have attached ourselves to a habit that we keep going back to. And so basically what I'm trying to say is we're giving the devil way more credit than we should. We pull that one off all on our own. The devil may have you the first few times. Eventually it becomes a habit, and you keep going back to something again and again. And he just shows up to smile and laugh at you. He didn't cause it at that point. You caused it. It's a decision you've made. Number six is don't keep blaming the devil for choosing foolish behavior. That's on you. We keep going back to something. We say, the devil's attached to me. No, the devil just showed up. See, every time you do it, you open the portal for the devil to show up again. Well, the devil tempts me, and then I do it. No, you do it, then the devil shows up. Now, it's true the devil can tempt you, but he doesn't always have to tempt you. Eventually, it becomes such a habit. It's just what you normally do. This is why the Bible says repent. Repent doesn't mean just say, I'm sorry. Saying you're sorry is good. That's conviction to say, God, I'm sorry for that sin I've done. But repentance actually means to turn the other way. In other words, go a different route. If you're tempted by donuts, don't drive down the street where the donut shop is. (laughs) Does that make sense? And so take another route home, okay? And if you'll begin to do that, then you can see a change in your life. It's like the guy who drove by the donut shop, and he's like, oh, God, if it's your will for me to have a donut, just let there be a parking spot. And he said, and it must be been God's will, because on the 16th time around, there was a parking spot available. Now it's your habit. You keep going back to what you're used to doing. It becomes a habit to sleep with your boyfriend and girlfriend. It becomes a habit to do pot. It becomes a habit to smoke cigarettes. It becomes a habit to cuss. It becomes a habit to be greedy. It becomes a habit to be selfish. It becomes a habit to watch the wrong things on TV. It becomes a habit. You name it, it can become a habit. And so it's not just the devil initially introducing it, but now you've gotten accustomed to it, and now it's become sort of something you're comfortable with. Your life feels incomplete without that sin. Does that make sense? Don't blame the devil for something you're doing. The truth is that repentance and getting right with God, there's no part in there where you have to kick the devil out because it's really about you honoring God. When you repent, you say, God, please forgive me for the sin. He renews us. I want to go a different way. The devil has no good or bad involvement in that, but then the devil just wants to distract us from that. He just wants to get you off your game. By by the way, people say, well, I just don't know the devil wants me to worship him. No, he doesn't. He could care less. He's good with you. Just keep worshiping yourself. Just whatever you do, don't worship him. Don't worship God. He doesn't care for you to worship the devil. He just wants you to be all about you. And if you're all about you, then you're, all, you're not all about God and his agenda for your life. That's what, he, that's what matters to him. He doesn't care whether you worship him or not. Right, he already knows his fate. He's going to hell. He knows it. He just wants to make sure you're going there too. Because he's bitter. He's angry. He's resentful that you still have a shot. That angers him. That makes him mad. And so he just wants to make sure that he takes... He's like, I'm already lost. I'm going to make sure I take someone out with me on the way down. So that's his goal for you. Here's a question I oftentimes get as well. If there is no sin in heaven, then how could Satan and the other rebellious angels choose to sin? Good question, right? Like, I thought there was no sin in heaven, so how could there have been this sin in heaven at that time? Revelation 21, 27 says, But nothing unclean will ever, ever enter heaven nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That means those who have received Christ. So it's very clear that only those who receive Christ can get into heaven. Heaven is a place where there's no sin. But wait, there was sin. Right, there was, but now there isn't. Here's what that actually means. Here's your answer. Sin is not a location, but a choice someone makes. God sealed the angel's choice, by, but by God's grace, he has not sealed man's yet. So the, the choice that the angels made when, they, when, when two-thirds said, I'm going to stick with God and his son, Jesus, and then one-third said, we're going to go with uh, the archangel Lucifer, who's now called Satan or the devil. We're going to go with him. And then this battle goes on. Then when the battle was done, God kicked out all of the angels that went with the devil and kicked out the devil, and then he sealed it. Done. You will never enter heaven again, none of you. And you angels that, have, that, that stuck with me, you'll always be in heaven with me. You'll always have access. Make sense? He sealed the deal. It's a done deal. With you and me, it's not a sealed deal yet. Let me explain what that actually means, okay? Revelation 20.10 says, Then the devil who had betrayed them will again be thrown into the lake of fire and will be tormented day and night forever and ever. But look what it says in 1 Timothy 5.21. This gives us some great insight. Check Check out what it says. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions. Would you underline the word elect? The word elect in the Bible means those who have chosen Christ. You ever taken an elective in school? You chose it, right? It's a, it's a course you got to choose. That's an elective. In the same way, you need to know that we still have an elective option to either receive Christ or, or reject Christ, right? That's an option you and I still have, receive Christ or, or reject Christ. And so the devil no longer has this option. So let's just say I am a teacher and I really favor you. Let's say I'm a big fan of you. So we pass out the tests You take the test, your neighbor takes the test too. They get an 85, you get a 65. Now I happen to lean over and see your grade. I'm like, hmm, hey guys, let's do this. Let's take the test one more time. So go ahead and pass up your test that you already took. I'm going to set those aside. I'm going to re-pass out, same test. Let's all take it again. You take it again. This time you get a 66. They still got an 85, the one sitting next to you, but you got a 66. I look over and I see your grade. I say, let's take that test one more time. What am I doing right now? I'm extending grace, still giving you an opportunity to get the test right. Let's say once we get to 66, you just can't, no matter how good you are, get it to over 70 to pass, right? And that's what takes to pass the course. But I realize this. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? Because I'm a really nice teacher and I really love you and I'm very biased towards you. I happen to have a student over here who knows everything I know because it's my son. And they made a 100 on the exam. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take his test grade, and I'm going to give you a free pass based upon his test grade, not your test grade. And by the way, the actual passing grade has to be 100. You got to be perfect to get in. Heaven is perfection, right? So you got to have 100. So if you're like me, you're like, I blew that a long time ago. There's no way. I mean, some of us have better grades than others, but we all none of us are perfect, right? But, we, but, he, but the teacher says, because I care for you so much, I'm only am I gonna give you test after test to try to help you get better and better, but now I'm gonna pass out a free pass for everyone based upon the merit of the one who took the test and passed it at 100, based upon what Jesus did, and I'm gonna give everyone in here a free pass. And you say, This is great, I'm in. No, you're not in yet until you walk up and turn it in. So I'm still waiting on you. Even though we have already taken a test for you, we have paid the price of perfection for you. The marriage has been paid by my son. I passed out to everyone, but you have to receive it and actually walk it forward and give it to me before it counts. So, what am I doing? I have not sealed it yet. I have not closed the books out of love. I'm gonna, you say, I feel like I'm always being tested over and over again. Right. Because the moment a just teacher, a just God says, test is over. Whatever your grade is at that moment, it's done. It's sealed for eternity. So a loving God says, I'm waiting as long as I can until you hopefully will finally walk up and just give me what I've already given you. If you'll just receive it, walk it forward and say, okay, I want that. I want to stand my test grades on the one with perfect merit. I come up and I receive it in the name of Jesus' test grade. I want what he has. And he's waiting for you. So you and I have an unsealed fate until we receive Christ. Once you receive Christ, here's how good God is. He seals yours immediately. But anyone who's not received Christ yet, he doesn't seal yet. Why? He's, he's waiting patiently for you to receive him. You see, the real battle is not against good and evil. The battle is for your salvation. That battle's been won. Jesus heard down on the cross and rose again. Done. One. The battle is will you finally accept what he's doing for you? So the real battle, here's what the devil's really trying to say to you right now. He's trying to whisper in your ear all the entire time during the special trying to tell you this is stupid. This is all made up. No, that's real. If he can convince you it's not real, then you you just you get hell because you didn't walk it up. You didn't receive what Christ did for you. And so ultimately, that's the price that we will either pay if we receive Christ, then it seals the deal, we get to go to heaven. If we don't, then one day, when you turn these over, will one day when he when he closes the books and says, "And testing's over." At that moment, you received him. Great. If you didn't, eternity without him. It's a sealed deal. In that moment, let's look at the scripture. Romans ten thirteen says this: Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't say anyone who's Catholic, anyone who's Baptist, anyone who's good or bad, anyone who's really nice, anyone who gives occasionally to people in, that are hurting. Doesn't say anything like that. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be safe. 2 Peter 3.8 says this, don't overlook the obvious here, friends, with God. One day is as good as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Why, why would God allow all this evil in the world? He doesn't. He allows free choice and free choice creates evil. Because people make decisions to do bad things. Does that make sense? Why would God allow that? Because the moment God says, I don't want to allow Kim John Un to want to blow people up, let me close the books. The problem is, if you didn't know Christ when he closes the books, you missed it. So the Lord's restraining himself, saying, please receive Christ. I know evil's still in the world, but the moment I close the books on all good and bad, I'm basically closing the books on choice. And when I close those books and say the testing is over, if you're not in, you're not in. So guys, quit toying with time. If you don't know Jesus, receive him now. Don't put this off. It's a loving God giving you time. So number seven, receive Christ while you still have time. That's what the battle is all about about. Would you take a moment and pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, we take a moment to pray. I want to encourage you during this prayer time. And oh, by the way, this is right when babies cry. This is right when someone turns you and says, where do you want to go to lunch? This is right when you get distracted. Why? Because the devil does not want you to do this. The devil wants you distracted right now. This is a time to focus because this is how you seal the deal. You can receive Jesus right now by praying a very simple prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you in my life. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for waiting for me. I'm glad I'm with you now. In Jesus' name, amen. It God good? His word is so true.